0: Hi everyone and welcome to the first episode of Zen Friends, the podcast where we join Annika and Nick as they discuss life's ups and downs and how to approach it in a Zen way in this fast-paced world. By way of introduction, we have Annika, the reformed perfectionist who has worked hard over the years to reach her inner peace. She's joined by Nick, that annoying friend who can always see the bright side in life and would give a monk a run for their money. This week, they ponder over the mysteries of love and the difficulties of dating in the modern world. bad at dating apps like I really really hate them and it's happened okay to be fair it hasn't been a consistent effort on my part but one time I downloaded tinder and I think like three swipes in my ex came up which wasn't great <laughs> and then the exact same thing happened on another app and so it's just like what's going on but beyond that I think my issue and it stresses me out that there's It's just so one dimensional. Like, you're reducing people to this one image of, like, no, a carefully curated brand of themselves. And you're just going through them, like, mindlessly. Oh, this guy, like, Jeff or Todd or Tom or Alex or, (laughs) I don't know, Rob. And it just starts to blur. And I, I don't know. I just, I feel like it's a really, like, the opposite of what you'd want to do if you really wanted to connect with someone. (laughs)
1: <laughs> is to just have their version of them, themselves yeah, right. summarised to to uh, attract anyone. Yeah, and, exactly. And they're not trying to... It's not about them trying to put out who they uniquely are, but a generic version of themselves yeah. that anyone would swipe on. It's just like,
0: <laughs> look at the best photos taken of me in the last six months. And then, oh, like, a couple of my hobbies that aren't the really weird ones. <laughs> like, not not that shit. But, like, you know, the, the stuff that... They don't mention that, that they like yeah. <laughs> 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 no, no. no. But just, you know, the generic stuff that's going to appeal and like, let's go. And then you just kind of, so I was on this app Bumble or whatever and there's five dudes and I'm just like, how am I meant to have a conversation with any of you when you're all kind of, you all like mountains. (laughs) I I know this because I picked the guys that like hiking in mountains (laughs) and I I don't know how to connect. But I think that was um, funny about seeing someone I was in a relationship with on a dating app because... I I mean, I know this guy intimately because we were together for years and then to see him reduced to like his, his profile was just like, that's not who you are. Like that's not you at all. And how are you meant to try and connect with someone? Would Um, you have
1: swiped on that profile?
0: No, that's no. a thing. That's exactly and the that thing. And if this was someone that you could connect Yeah, with there's no way. I would be like, oh, loser. No. <laughs> <laughs> <And> <laughs> we, then, we know the president. And
1: then you are able to date him for years. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Beyond that.
0: that stuff. But that's so much of what dating and love mm. has become in like, this day and age. Um, and I just, it's, I have a problem with it. I just don't think yeah. it's right.
1: I mean, I suppose there are, there are pros to that approach to dating, Simply in the sense that, I mean, in uh, to, to quote you in this day and age, yeah. this modern day of dating, I suppose community is not what it once was, yeah. and the opportunities to meet new people can be limited because of that. Yeah, and I guess in that sense, dating apps are an avenue to make, meet make people. people, and yeah. even though it's a one-dimensional, non-ideal way to yeah. meet someone, at least it forms that initial connection point
0: to sort of get things started. I think, though, if you meet someone in real life, I mean, initial, the first thing you're going off is, do I find them attractive? Mm. But there's a slow process of kind of uncovering who they are Mm. and finding common ground and it builds kind of naturally. My problem with dating apps is not so much that it's a platform to meet people, like that's, you know, it doesn't matter if it's on an app or at church that you meet someone. Mm. It's that we can filter them based on these really arbitrary qualities that we think we want, but we don't even know what we want. So like, yeah, it's filtering all these dudes. I'm like, oh, do they like hiking and mountains and art. And, you know, like, a, okay, search results have yielded this many matches. And it's, it's just a shame because um, just because you're not into the same things as someone initially, um, you know, on paper, it doesn't mean that if you didn't meet them in person you wouldn't, you know, you can kind of sense if there's something there or not, or like you have bad or you have chemistry or whatever. Or that they might
1: not have all those interests, but yeah. didn't think that was what they should put on their, yeah. their limited space for their profile. Yeah. This person out there who has all the interests you do, but thought, oh, but if I really want to attract someone, I should put down that I like hiking yeah. or, or going on traveling and drinking and that kind yeah, of thing.
0: Yeah, exactly. And it's like, it becomes, a, this is what happens when I was trying to set up my profile. It became this very existential thing where like... <laughs> okay, these are the things I could say to be, like, successful in society. These, this is who I really am, like, weirdo. But what's the fine line? Like, a little bit of personality, but not too much. And so I think I want something like plant enthusiast. <laughs> I, I like to think of myself as more than just a plant enthusiast. But, you know, it's, it's difficult. And, and those, those apps
1: are never going to be able to go beyond what they are in that sense. They're never going to be away. To substitute real life encounters. Yeah. They're they're setting you up to be able to have those with people. Mm-hmm. And and I think that's where the the limit is.
0: Yeah, but I wonder what the purpose is then. Like, surely I think the other thing that was interesting for me on these apps was that I was coming from a place of lack. It wasn't that I was looking for someone. Um, based on like, you know, like oh, what am I trying to say? It was, it was. I was thinking, oh, I am single. There is not someone. There isn't someone here. So I need to find someone, and it's coming from this like attachment kind of. I should be dating, or I should be out putting myself out there and looking for something that's not there. And I don't know. I just feel like that. So rather
1: than waiting for something to spontaneously appear in life, yes. it was a, a sense of. I should be actively putting this into my life, yeah. and these apps are, are a way to do it. Or a bad
0: day for loneliness, to mm. be frank. Because I think we're just so bad at just sitting with that. Like, I don't know, like, just because you're single doesn't mean. I mean, if you want to be dating, date. But you don't have to, just a mask, like, mm. oh, there's no one in my bed. Like, yeah, that sucks sometimes. But just go with it, write it out, it'll be okay.
1: But sadly, every TV show and movie that we've ever seen has yeah. painted the picture that the ultimate goal for someone is to find their one true love one true that love. they can spend their life with and who will get them and be the perfect Soul match. Mate. yeah. And the people who are alone in these movies and TV shows are never portrayed as anything other than alone.
0: Yeah, exactly, and it's, like, one-dimensional. But, again, such a dangerous... I not mean, dangerous is overkill, but you know, problematic to be like, I will be complete when I fire this person. Mm. And it's interesting because I met this lady earlier in the year who was um, she's 41, I think, and never been married. She's such a badass. Like, the wow, what a woman. Like, just living her life, really, she seems really fulfilled, very, um, you know, comfortable in her own skin and just had her stuff together. And it was shocking to me because I, I'd just never seen that paradigm of what, like, what it actually looks like to be single for a long time or in your 40s, but, like, you know, not choosing not to go down the um, matrimania path. And it was so refreshing, actually, because, and ironically, like, I met her on this trip that we were doing, and people were just drawn to her. Like, she, like men were just drawn to her, and she had her pick of partners that she could have, from but from a place of like actually no I know who I am and I know what I want and um yeah
1: and that's definitely a to use your word earlier in terms of it being a dangerous thing that the way its relationship has been set up that's probably true and she was safer because she was more secure in herself yeah and if she did decide to be with someone it would be from a place of really wanting to be with that person yeah. and not from a place of really not wanting to be alone.
0: Exactly. Which is where yeah. it
1: does become dangerous for people because they might put themselves in a relationship or a situation that isn't healthy or isn't safe yeah. or, or isn't yeah, some, anything like that. And they're only there because the alternative was so much more, uh, you know, scary to them.
0: Yeah. So how do you balance that? Because you've the opposite, they've like been in a long term relationship for what, like ten years now, you guys?
1: Ten years next year. Yeah. Whoa,
0: that makes me happy because <laughs> that's such a beautiful relationship. But how do you balance like am I staying in this because we've just been in it for so long and we're keeping on going? Or is it because no, I actually want to be in this and like, you know, you know, it's helping me grow and mm. become who I want to be. Well,
1: we've been lucky in the sense that Anna, my partner, has from the very get-go oh, right, yeah, been course, yeah. very much, uh, I am an independent person <laughs> and you are an addition to my life, but you are it's not necessary, much. almost to the point where it's, you know, one foot in, one foot out of the relationship. <laughs> but but that aspect of it being, uh, you're here to help with growth and Add something positive and if you're not doing those things then you're not going to be part of my life anymore is I think what has made it work well well and and continue to work well. And we both have that approach of each of us has our own lives that are going maybe in the same direction and that's why we're still together because it's it's continued to go in the same direction and we want the same things still at this stage. and, And if that changed, then then that would be interesting, and uh, and that might be the stage where we do start sort of going our separate ways. But but <laughs> okay, sorry, but, I'm more attached. like yeah, temporal-
0: and, and
1: and yeah, and the danger would be if, like you said, we're we still together just because we've been together, and the alternative is scarier. And based on our relationship so far, that's not something that has has happened uh, there's there's been situations where it's come close enough to ending because there were uh issues that we needed to resolve and only because the resolution was one that both of us were happy with are we still together and and, uh because of those issues i think it's more clear that we're together for the I hope, the right reasons and not just because
0: we should But that definitely comes out in just, like, hanging out with you guys. It's very much, like, two individuals that have come together in a way where it it just seems to work. And, you know, it's definitely been the model, I guess, in our broader circle of friends of, like, hey, Mm. yeah, that seems right. And, like, actually coming out of a relationship recently where that wasn't the case, I think what was wrong was this... Kind of over dependence on each other, or like, you know, like over being overly attached and kind of depending on the other person for your growth as opposed to watching them, as opposed to complimenting their growth. Right. You know, if you're there for someone who's um, just put you on this pedestal and like, you make me better and good and everything, you're an angel, or whatever, it just becomes so much fresher. It's like, nah, dude, you run your own race, like we, we both do. And, and you do in life, I think. It's just that's a problem with this um, kind of pathologizing, a uh, pathologizing, pathologizing, <laughs> um, singleness is, is actually a fear of being alone. And at the end of the day, you are alone. Like, yeah. regardless of whether you're in a relationship or not, like you experience the world in your own kind of consciousness and you're alone. And so um, until you can be comfortable with that, I just don't think you can really be
1: in a relationship that's, I mean, you can, but, and people are <laughs> yeah, all, I mean, people all are. over the world in, yeah, in relationships are, but... that have that dynamic of you're responsible for me being happy or not. And you're yeah. responsible for my life being successful in the sense yeah. that I am in a relationship and that's where everyone's meant to be. Mm-hmm. According to that, that sort of message that we're sent.
0: But, I've been thinking a lot about the idea of attachment and I mean, it's almost implied that in a relationship you're kind of attached to someone, but how do you practice non-attachment um, in the context of a relationship? Mm. And it's such an oxymoron. It's a real, like it's a mind because you can do it with, you know, we're talking about work. You can do it with pretty much every other aspect of your life much more easily. But when it yeah. becomes like a human to human thing and, The definition is that you're attached to each other. (laughs) How do you practice non-attachment? And from what I've been reading, it's really about just taking a step back Mm -hmm. and saying, like, am I expecting something of this person because they're somehow linked to my identity or linked to my being? Or am I experiencing this, like, just as, you know, a feeling like everything else, like love, and, and I want them to be happy the same way I want to be happy. But it's such a difficult balance
1: yeah yeah definitely and but uh, you know you hit the nail on the head with that because if what we were saying before if you're relying on this other person to give you all those things then as soon as that thing gets taken away yeah everything else falls apart as well And, and that's not to say that if you have a relationship and something horrible happens you know god forbid you know they get sick or pass on or whatever it is you're you, you obviously going to be sad and, and affected by that, but it's whether or not you can move through it and come out the other side still in one piece. And a lot of people, when their relationship ends, can't because they relied on that person to bring them all those positive aspects of mm-hmm. life. And as soon as those positive aspects aren't there anymore, they're left with only the negative.
0: Yeah, I don't know that you can blame people though, because it's oh, so no, socially condoned, it right? It's it like is. it's the holy grail of achieving like peak happiness. Um, yeah, it's it's a tough one, but
1: and definitely easier said than done to take a step back from it and and be okay with with them not providing that and be okay with the notion of them not being there anymore.
0: Yeah, it's interesting. I um, oh, maybe too much information, but in my <laughs> Exes, I hope it's not um, <laughs> bedroom. He had this sign that said, "This too will pass." Mm. And even in our happiest moments, sometimes I'd be like, I'd wake up in the morning and be like, "This too will pass," <laughs> but I don't want this to pass. And now that we have broken up, I'm like, "Wow!" Like, really, this too will pass. And really, being able to ride those waves is just so critical in life and in relationships. And now, again, being recently single, um, I'm quite an anxious person just generally, and, like, seeking control and um, almost, like, trying to manipulate a situation for it to be what I want it to be. And if there's one area of my life that just flat out does not work, it's (laughs) clearly relationships and love. And so now it's really – I've actively had to try and think in a more, like, zen way about approaching love. Mm -hmm. In a – it will, like – it'll come in or – the situation will arise when it arises and you interact with it as it does. And then when the energy leaves, it leaves. Mm. Um, and, to, and to be at peace with that, it's just, yeah, things come up and then things go and, you know, at no point um, does it have to be about, you know, your, like, existential reason for living um, that's a threat by a potential suitor.
1: Mm. So. Yeah, but, but there's so many people... Uh, and because, like, as you said before, the society that we've been raised in has painted a picture of love not being something that can be fleeting, yeah. or that should be fleeting, yeah. but something that once you find it, once you find the true version of love, then that's the person that you'll be with until the day one of you dies, yeah. and and anything short of that mustn't have been love. It must have been some other feeling that maybe you thought was love, but actually because it's gone now, it wasn't love. Mm. Now you've got to look for a- your actual love. And and that idea that anything not everlasting isn't worth it or is somehow lessened because it didn't last, I think is a really negative mindset to have towards something as positive as love. Mm.
0: You have do- you read um, The Course of Love? No. By Elaine no. Botton? Oh, it's, it is such, like, I think it should be mandatory reading <laughs> for, like, being a human, but um, it goes through where this idea came from, actually, like your one true love and this everlasting thing, and it was a bunch of crazy Russians in the late 1800s, like, I wish I was joking, but I'm not, Um, and this kind of, you know, love is euphoria and mad passion, and, you know, and the reason they could kind of get away with that is because people didn't live very long, Um, so it was like, oh yeah, 10 years of being madly into someone, and hey, we're all going to die of typhoid, so who cares? Yeah. (laughs) But um, I guess in this book, he kind of presents this new model, which I quite like, um, love as a psychological well-being, which is less, like, less sexy than, like, <laughs> love as everlasting passion or whatever. But it's much more kind of manageable in a way. Like, he, he's real, he starts off with, like, you know, if you meet someone new, she'll be like, hey, like, in what way is it you crazy? She's like, this is my <laughs> crazy. And it's, it's true. We're all just such, like, we're all flawed. And firstly, like, you need to be able to recognise your own flaws to be able to communicate them to someone else. But if there was a value that I really gained from being in a long-term relationship, it was having a magnifying glass put up to your flaws and then having to work on them with someone else by your side um, is a real, like, I think, in my opinion, it's a real value of a long-term relationship. Um, but it's not as, it's definitely not as glamorous as, you know Hollywood. No, it's it's tough, but it's it's so important for growth.
1: Yeah. Um. But but that's how relationships are portrayed in Hollywood is is the glamour and the the sexiness and the yeah, the, the passion water and water the through. yeah exactly exactly and and anything that is hard or something that you have to work through or just any time an issue arises in that relationship it's a sign of its weakness rather than its strength. Yeah. Which again is this obsession that our society has with perfection mm. and and negatives and they're being the opposites of negative and positive and you know, if something's bad it's bad and if something's good it's good. Mm. Whereas a lot of the time bad things and I did quotation marks then in case mm-hmm. you couldn't see them, but are actually the things that lead to the greatest growth and the greatest benefit exactly. for us. But yeah. That people aren't taught that again. Yeah. That that's what they should look for. It's
0: the it's the difference between being happy and being cold. Yeah, like, been like, reading and thinking about this a lot because a lot of the self help stuff that's pushed on us, or like I was saying before, it's about like being the best and happiest and being like super like chirpy all the time and like showering right and whatever else. But none of that stuff leads to being whole and rich and living a deep and meaningful life mm. and like you just said like that stuff only comes out of really shitty periods and yeah. whether that's by yourself or in a relationship and if, if that's the case surely that being in a relationship and like deepening in that way has to come out of being vulnerable with each other about your real your, your shit like your really ugly moments and you're really like hey this is how I'm terrible mm. and yeah, people scared around it like yeah. for
1: ages. Yeah, because because the relationship was meant to solve that. It wasn't yeah, meant right. To, it wasn't meant to exist anymore. Being being single is where the shit was. The problem was, was, yeah. But now that I'm in a relationship, that's all being cured. Yeah. And and then as soon as they realise it hasn't, that, that's when people sometimes cut and run, or exactly. or, or just decide that the relationship isn't yeah. working.
0: It's my favourite theory. Have we talked about this? Attachment? Oh, we definitely have. Yeah, yeah. Attachment theory, right? (laughs) So many times. So, what's his name? Bowlby. John, I think. James. Um, The theory is that your patterns in um, your romantic relationships with adults are shaped by the relationship you had with your parents between the ages of, like, I think zero and three. Mm. And so there's three kind of key ways of attachment. There's... Are these magical, securely attached people. I actually think you're one of them. I think you're the only. Thank you. Yeah, I think you're the only secure attached person I know. But, you know, they have a pretty good time in relationships and they can kind of connect with people without losing their sense of self. But I, I think that, yeah, you are definitely the only one. Uh,
1: All right, well, we've got an example. <laughs> in that
0: regard. Um, but I don't know, I don't really, yeah, you've got your shit sorted. So let's not go there. Um, and then there are two types of insecure attachment, which has come out of, not real abandonment, but sometimes it's just perceived abandonment from your parents. Which is, re- which is, which real, is real for the yeah, person. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. For, a, for a two-year-old, it's yeah. real. Um, and so you kind of go one of two ways. You either become um, anxious, anxiously attached, which is, you know, really clinging, like clinging to the relationship and clinging to your partner. And, you know, they don't reply to your text and you, everything's a mess and, you know... Stage five cleaner types, um, and then the other way is insecurely attached, avoidant attach attachment style, which is like the opposite, like the traditional commitment phobe. It's like I don't need anyone, like I'm super independent. I mean, that's a, independence is a good thing, but like <laughs> when you fear that a relationship is going to impinge on your every freedom you've ever had, yeah. like that becomes a, a, thing, you know? <laughs> a thing altogether. Yeah. But it's so, and actually, this book, The Course of Love, goes through goes through it really, really well. Um, until you're aware that you're acting out of one of these baseline um, modes of operating, you can't actually, one, fix it, and two, realise how your partner's stuff is setting off your stuff and then vice versa, and it becomes this um, symbiotic relationship where you think you're you're doing something because of that's because he's making me feel that way, but actually it has something to do with mum and dad and... <laughs> kind of have to do that self work to figure out what it is. Like yeah. and not so for me, like I'm I put to avoidant attached attached in an avoidant way. And I'm like, oh yeah, I'm just really independent and I like doing stuff by myself. But actually it comes from a fear of like, oh but if I let someone in too close and they abandon me, like that's gonna be a pain in the to deal with. So you know what, I'm not <laughs> even gonna like Not gonna let myself get to that. Because point. people yeah. are terrible. You know and that's and that's my stuff. But it's funny how a lot of um societal views will enable you to think one view is legitimate or not. So, mm. actually, I've, I've been speaking to some friends about this. For, if you're an avoidant male, that's totally cool because you're, on. like, a commitment folk player. Yeah. Like, that's
1: what men are meant to be. Right, they yeah. don't want
0: to commit. You're not meant to want to do that. And if you're in... Um,
1: Until they meet
0: the, the one, one true love, um, and then yeah, that will the all fade away then, and it will yeah. change their life. But if you're in... Um, anxiously attached female. It's like, of course, oh, women, so clingy, all the feelings. They just oh, want to get married and start They just start want someone to like put a ring on it, God right. damn it. Yeah. You know, But it, it, it's not, you know, like the um, occurrence of these attachment styles has nothing to do with gender. So when you're in a situation that's flipped and you've got a, a man that's maybe um, anxiously attached, And you're like, whoa, why are you being such a chick? And it's like, he's not being a chick. That's just gender bullshit put on top of your own. put on top of some other attachment bullshit. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Um, But it's worth thinking about, like, how we're condoned to view certain behavior as legitimate Mm. and others as not, even though it all just stems from all of us being psychologically (laughs) fucked.
1: As that poem says, I can't remember exactly how it goes, but it's just they fuck you up, your parents, they don't mean to, but they do. (laughs) And it's very true in, in pretty much every aspect of life.
0: You definitely have to do the self-work to figure out what it is, like the, what your stuff is, like own yeah. your stuff. And I think I found that the more I own my own stuff, the less other people's stuff affects me. Affect you, like yep. I'm still like annoyed by it and I can make a judgment call. on like, oh, <laughs> yeah. is this something I want to deal with? But yeah. it never, it's not about me. It's like, yeah. oh, hey, I know my own like maladaption pretty well, <laughs> yeah. but I could say this is your stuff and yep. like, Maybe not. Good, we're not good for each other. But let's move. Like, let's deal with the stuff separately. Yeah. So yeah. yeah, I think that's what an ideal relationship should be in terms of figuring out someone helping you, like, overcome that stuff, figure it out, and you know, be okay, at peace with it.
1: Yeah. And and to link that all the way back to the start of this conversation with dating apps, you <laughs> cannot do that with a Oh, dating Yeah. App. No, you, you can't, can't make your it. profile. This is my crazy. What's yours? Oh man. Because. No one's gonna to wanna to meet up with someone who says, hey, my attachment is that I'm a bit of a avoidant attachment, what's yours? Yeah. And, and like, I need to handle that. This because... is
0: a business idea. Like, ping, <laughs> ping, 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 ping. Oh my goodness. is a
1: million dollar idea. This is
0: the idea. Like, this is a dating app, I would, be, like, just all the ways you batch it crazy. Like, just put it out there. I, I think there's an element of honesty to it because you're like, okay, I've seen, I've seen the work. But I wonder if people would do that thing where they're like, okay, it's a cool type of crazy to be? and like, and then they'll like, attract someone based yeah, on that. Yeah, like, oh, yeah. Yeah. it's like a job interview. But they're like, oh, what's your weakness? And we just list your strengths. Strength. Yeah, yeah, um, it might
1: end up being like that. But yeah, I mean, it's it's important, like you said, to be able to connect with someone on that deeper level that is coming into it aware of your own insecurities yeah, and, yeah, and yeah. stuff and baggage, which we all have, whether from our parents or past relationships, friendships, whatever it is. And the other person coming into aware of their own stuff and, and both of you, I mean, used the word, you know, before about being in a symbiotic relationship and yeah. it was sort of in terms of your negative feeding on each yeah, other, exactly. but in the reverse, it can work the same way where you're symbiotic in the sense that you're both aware of your own stuff and each other's, yeah. and just want to work together towards being, you know, better versions of yourself. Better humans, yeah, yeah
0: absolutely. I think that's what it would look like. It yeah, do well.
1: And then it's just, how do we find that?
0: How do <laughs> yeah, we find that's, that? that's a million dollars. Maybe
1: with our dating app.
0: Yeah, no, with this, yeah, with, with this, this new, new one, one that I'm yeah. about to get onto. Exactly, absolutely. Watch your space.
1: That's the solution.